our goal is to teach as many different people as possible that helping other people, being supportive, being kind and compassionate is a good way to do business and is a way to succeed. You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Mottier, and I'm here today with Sam Jacobs, founder and CEO at Pavilion, former Revenue Collective. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm doing very well. How are you, Aurélien? I'm good. Very, very good. Very, very good. So today we want to speak about building community, and I think most of the people that will be listening to the episode today have heard of Revenue Collective, unless they were like, you know, hiding somewhere or going going off the grid for a while. First question for you. I mean, first of all, I'd like to get a little bit of an introduction, you know, yourself, where you come from, the start of Revenue Collective, but it would also be very good to understand why you change your name from Revenue Collective to Pavilion, if you're meant to check on, on that as well. Sure. So, yeah, nice to meet you and everybody that's watching or listening. My name is Sam Jacobs. I'm the founder and CEO of Pavilion. We used to be called Revenue Collective. My personal background, I've been working at venture capital-backed high-growth companies and startups since 2003. Before that, I was in finance, and I actually ran a record label and was in the music industry for a little while, but uh, that was not successful. And really, since 2003, when I moved to New York for the second time, I've been kind of building companies from from the revenue side. I worked at uh, one very successful company for seven and a half years called Gerson Lerman Group through 2010. And then from 2010 to 2018, it was shorter and shorter stints at subsequent companies. Uh, I worked at a company called Axial for four and a half years. I then ran sales for a company called Livestream, which was sold to Vimeo, uh, which just went public for, and I worked there for 18 months. I then was the chief revenue officer of a company called The Muse for nine months. And then I was the chief revenue officer for a company called Behavox for 10 months. So my stints were shrinking and um, and most of the time, not because I was choosing to leave, but because I was being asked to leave or the companies weren't succeeding. And uh, I needed a community. I needed help. And so I started bringing people together in New York just to share stories, to make the sales leaders and the marketing leaders the center of uh, the ecosystem, because in every other place, The founders were the center or the investors were the center, but I wanted to create a community that was really just for uh, operating professionals. And so we called it the New York Revenue Collective. And I didn't have any grand aspirations. I didn't really think much of it because starting a dinner club, which is what we were, starting a dinner club with an email group is about the easiest thing in the world to do. And so I figured every city must already have something like a revenue collective. And I would just focus on being uh, the community for New York. And it turned out that every city did not have something like Revenue Collective. Or if it did, they had been structured in different ways, ways that I didn't think were optimal. And so people from all over the world really began to hear about what we were doing and reaching out to me. Uh, The first person that reached out to me was a guy named Tom Glasson in London. And he started, he ended up starting the London chapter of Revenue Collective. And then we quickly launched uh, a variety of new cities, Boston, Toronto, uh, and more. And still at the time, I only began working on it full time uh, at the end of 2018. And I really, uh, at that point, I said, you know, if we can get to 2,000 people by the end of 2020, then we will be, you know, I can live, right? I can pay my rent. 
I can be alive. It doesn't have to be, you know, the biggest company in the world, but it can help me, you know, not get fired again because I was working for myself. And it just, it just something that became very, very popular, particularly during COVID when uh, people needed community and they needed resources and they needed assistance and help and they were facing more uncertainty than ever before. And so we ended up moving well past 2000. By the end of 2020, we were close to 3,700 total members, all paying members. And so that was that. And then you asked, why did we change the name? And um, this is a bit, you know, so sorry for being long-winded, but the, there's a couple things. The, the big idea behind what we're doing is not uh, it's not really about any one profession anymore, right? We started focusing on salespeople, but as we mentioned offline, Aurelian, uh, we have a CEO community now. Yeah, <laughs> I was left out, you know, all my... Now you can join, now you can join. <laughs> we have an community. The purpose yeah. of what we're doing, the purpose of why do we exist, and this is, I think, important and different because a lot of people start communities either for their own sake, meaning like just networking, uh, which is not why we exist, or to sell <laughs> to sell software, right? Yeah, you start a community, you're Atlassian, you have a community, you want to sell more Atlassian into that community. But our community exists for a different reason. And that reason is to help each member fulfill their career goals. We call it unlocking and achieving their professional potential. And it's bound together by a code of conduct that says that we're going to help each other. We're going to support each other. We're not going to spam each other. Uh, we're not going to use the community to sell things to each other directly. We can sell things to each other by being helpful to each other. But generally speaking, this is going to be a world where we believe that helping other people is a path to personal success. And that's a very specific belief that is not shared by everybody in the world. And so that belief is not about salespeople. It's not about marketing people. That belief is that there's a different way to do business. By helping and supporting each other, we can all be successful. The world is not zero sum. And that vision is not specific to salespeople. It's really true of any kind of profession. And our goal is to teach as many different people as possible that uh, helping other people, being supportive, being kind and compassionate is a good way to do business and is a way to succeed. And that's the reason fundamentally there, there are other reasons that the, the tactical reason is that everything, there are 2 million things that are called blank collective. And so there's not a lot of defensibility around that framing, but also the word collective is a little bit inward looking. It's a little bit defensive. It, it implies an us versus them. Pavilion is not about us versus them. As I said, CEOs can join, investors can join, anybody can join. It's about helping you as a human being get where you want to go in your career. And so it just, frankly, it's a bigger, more open, more inspiring, I think, idea and brand than Revenue Collective. And so that's why we changed it. Yeah. So thank you for that. But I love the story. Really, really love the story. I think it's um, quite interesting that you actually started from something relatively informal, something that you felt was, was required and you started small, then, you know, at the, the presumption that it would be done elsewhere and then realize it was not done. And now it's getting that, that thing that's growing and, and it's very successful. And um, second thing, I'm very glad that you opened up for CEOs. I did say nothing to my team, but I was extremely jealous because everybody speaks about Revenue Collective. Uh, I was invited to one of your events in uh, in London on Tuesday. In fact, I could not participate, but I was I was really uh, I was really feeling left out. So I'm glad that you know CEOs can now participate, and I, I, I'll get uh, I'll get some details from you and see how I can uh, 
get myself so. registered. Last thing, really, you mentioned something. You mentioned COVID, you know, and you mentioned that you, you, you saw that you really went big in COVID. And I think this, this is really interesting because we did feel that COVID, kind of the mindset of people changed. Lots of things dropped. People had to find solutions. People did not know what to do. And, and in a way, from a business perspective, from a capitalistic business perspective, people almost become a little bit kinder with each other. Do, do you think you would have seen the growth you've seen without the pandemic is basically my question. I guess, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I, we were, you know, March, we were growing very quickly. Uh, that's for sure, before COVID. The thing that was helpful, you know, and obviously you're always very, uh, you know, you're, you're, you want to be cautious and mindful about how you frame growth during the pandemic because there was so much tragedy and yeah. so much so much pain and suffering. However, as you said, from a capitalistic business perspective, you know, we were, what it really did, which was useful to our business, was it it forced us to be, obviously digital first, like everybody. Before COVID, we were really much more focused on in-person events. And that's good if you're in London, because we have you know 500 people in London, and so there's always in-person events to go to. But if you're in Minneapolis, or if you're in Paris, or if you're in uh, Bangalore, or somewhere anywhere that's not a very big city, or you know you, you live in, I don't know, Brighton or something like that, you you or Manchester, right? You're not in London, but you're maybe a couple hours from London. Then you really weren't getting uh, any kind of meaningful experience from Revenue Collective now Pavilion. The Slack community is global, but we want to be more than just Slack. The COVID forced us to like you know we were doing about one webinar every two two weeks, maybe one a month uh, before COVID. Now we do 40, 50, sometimes 60 different digital events every single week. And, you know, we were, we didn't have any kind of uh, online learning programs. Now we have over 20 different courses and schools through Pavilion University, all delivered online. So I think what it did was it actually forced us to build a different and candidly better business because the digital business is a higher margin, easy, and it's, it's easier to deliver a meaningful experience no matter where you live Whereas before COVID, you had to sort of be near one of our big hubs. Yeah. I don't know if we would not have, you know, I, I, I think instead of thinking about it, like, would we have grown as quickly without COVID? I just think that I was very, because I have friends that run other kinds of similar businesses. Uh, there's a company in New York, I won't say their name, but they were a, a dinner, like they were an events business. They would bring together like-minded people like salespeople or CEOs on behalf of sponsors and they would host really nice dinners. They are very, you know, there are a lot of similarities to their business as to ours. They went out of business in mm. 2020. They went from a couple million dollars in revenue to I think $15,000 in revenue total for the whole year. And I think it was just that we responded to it very aggressively. You know, yeah. we, we were very decisive about saying, hey, this is an opportunity. If we think about it that way, we need to rise to the moment. So, Yeah, now that makes perfect sense. The, another thing that you mentioned in your intro is the is kind of the code of conduct. You know, and I completely agree with you. I mean, how many times do you receive an email to 
a nice dinner somewhere or you know we're gonna do a webinar or this or that like-minded people get with your peers and stuff but you know at, at the end of the day what they want to do they want to force down a sales pitch down your throat and sell you something but at the same time you know i think pretty much 90 percent of our customers are speaking about wanting to build communities so you know f- from a value perspective from a from a setup perspective, what do you think are the right value if you want to build a successful community? I mean, could you have community where you actually sell to people and, and it's okay? Or, or do you think you know you've got to go for being a giving community or sharing community? But I don't want to I wouldn't want to join that that I mean there there are those selling communities. I think there's a thing called BNI. I don't know if you know that Aurelian, but uh yes. It's, uh, you know, you, you show up every morning or whatever you meet once a week and everybody shares leads. It's not inspiring to me. I, I went once and uh, I'm definitely never going to go back. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I so I guess do I, I think that if you want to be successful, you have to do it. I, I don't know. I mean, we do. I do. I have a very particular point of view about why why this works. And so far, because it seems to continue to grow, I think that there's some merit to it. I think too many people, again, the whole point of like everybody wants to build a community is, again, sort of like representative of, to me, what is short term thinking. Right. Yeah. Because nobody I don't want to just be in a community to be sold to. I need help as a human being. Right. I, I don't. And I'm somewhat introverted, which is somewhat funny that I run a global <laughs> network <laughs> business. I don't, I have lots of things to do with my time. You know, I, I like to read, I like to play guitar, I like to be with my wife and my dogs. I, I don't need to go out for no reason, right? There needs to be a purpose. And, yep. um, and so, you know, most people don't have a purpose besides we want to get a bunch of people together and sell them things. And, and we are all aware of that. And so I think, I think there needs to be values and there are a lot, you know, we've actually, we've acquired two communities and we've been in conversations with many, many more. And, and that's because, uh, you know, and we can talk about that growth strategy, but, but the reason that all of these conversations are very easy doesn't mean that people all want to sell to us. They don't, but it's because we all come to come at it from a pretty similar perspective, which is that the point of what we're doing isn't just to sell things to each other, or at least it's, it's not to shell things to each other immediately. Yes. You know, part of what we're trying to underscore is that, and, you know, I talk about this a, a, a lot. Um, you know, I saw Larry Page on stage one time with Sergey, and he was saying, you know, you, you, and this is paraphrasing, and maybe he's not the first person that said it, but, you know, it's you can accomplish far less than you think in, in a quarter, and you can accomplish way more than you think in 10 years. And his point is that sometimes your time horizon can be a competitive advantage. If you just play a longer game when everybody else is playing a shorter game, you can do more things than might be expected. And I think that's the approach that we take to community. It's not that you can't sell people things. You'll sell them things over a year. And the way that you'll sell them something is by being helpful and by building trust and credibility. And then when people trust you, they want to do business with you. It's not that nobody wants to do business. It's that I just don't want to be beat over the head I attend one webinar and all of a sudden I'm getting 52 emails from SDRs, you know, with, with like messaging that's uh, 10 years old. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. To be fair, it's the, the very right reason you started. The very right reason you started. You didn't try to make money out of it. You just try to get what you want now your community member to get, which is this information, the connection, 
the relationship with people and being with like-minded people and sharing information. So that 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 makes perfect sense also. So Sam, what what would you say are or if you can just just name a few some successful initiatives that your team has drove to get Pavilion what is today? Well, I think there's a couple things, and again. The first is the, is the business model, again, sort of speaking again about short-term versus long-term time horizons. It's very tempting for people to, build, to want to build a free community, and yeah. I talked about this a lot. The thing that happens, if, if you want a business and you want the community to be free, then your members are going to be the product, and you're going to be selling them to sponsors. Or you're going to, so one thing that we've done that's been very successful is simply asking people to pay. Relatedly, not, and then no other business model. So we, we don't. Everybody will tell you when you start a community, you should start a, a headhunting business, an executive search business. So many people parlay their community into like a recruiting business. Well, you know, I work in SaaS, and recruiting revenue is transactional revenue is not nearly as valuable as recurring revenue, and it's a much simpler, cleaner model to think about it almost like Amazon Prime, where you pay a fee. And we try to deliver as much value as we can for that fee. And we don't have any other incentives. So I don't take kickbacks or referral fees. Everybody wants to do some kind of like, you know, strange commission deal. I don't want to be, you know, necessarily like that kind of channel for anybody. All we do is we have a simple business model. So that's one thing that I think, again, it takes longer. Sometimes you might be giving up a $100,000 executive search retainer. But over time, you build a bigger community because people trust that your heart and your incentives are in the right place. And so, you know, that's that's one thing that we've done. The second thing, and we are not alone in this, but lots of lots of people have done it, and it's it's a useful thing, which is one of the biggest complaints people have when they join Revenue Collective Now Pavilion is it's so overwhelming. There's so much content, there's so many people to meet, they're not sure where to start. So this year we launched Pavilion University. And we launched with our first program, which is CRO School, which we launched in the spring of 2021. And it was hugely successful. And since then, we've launched, again, I think the number's up to 20 at this point. Right now, we have running Enterprise Go-To-Market School, SDR Acceleration School, Frontline Manager School, Chief Marketing Officer School, Chief Customer Officer School. So why is this helpful or useful or what's interesting about it? So these learning programs are and we're not the only people to do this, but I think it's it's an interesting insight. They're all live. They're not you're not watching a video. They're live, and they are and this is important. They are cohort based. So you take a lecture on a Zoom. You know, you hear me or you talk, Aurelian, for for you know ninety minutes, and there's four hundred people you know on the Zoom. But after that, you're broken up into small groups that you meet with once a week, and those groups are fifteen people. And what that does is two things. First is that it gives you an ability to meet other people and digest the content and to have a conversation about it. But more importantly, it helps you build deeper relationships within the community through the context of the school. And so that's been, we've now got close to 3,000, you know, we have 6,200 people total in our community as of today. We have almost half of those people in some kind of learning program. And we've received, you know, very, very positive feedback from those programs. So I guess one thing that we've done successful is just simply structure the business and design the business in the right way. And then the second is, you know, something that's that's been this year has been launching Pavilion University. It's been very successful. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And and for, for that university, so so as you mentioned, what you are doing in terms of the in terms of the process, so you've got the courses 
and then you've got the, the break group. What are the people actually doing in those groups? Are they working on common projects or are they just sharing their learning from the course themselves? You know, how do you get them to actually participate to the follow-up session? Because you know what I love about that is that we are trying at Operatics, but well, we, we've got the content, but we are trying to build what we call an Operatics Academy. It's an internal tool. We're not even thinking about the external, but as you mentioned, lots of content. There is lots of way to do what we do. It sells, it's lots of different techniques. And we want to obviously enable our guys as much as possible. But what we find out, one of the issues that we, we face when we do the, the training is that people come to the first lecture, you know, they listen to it, but then it's the consistency. And it's almost like when you train for, I don't know, being a bit better golfer or better runner, it's the repetition, is the actual training that, that, that makes, makes you successful. So I'm very interested to understand, the, because that's very different also, the, the, the little group that you are building. So what do you get them to do in those little groups? How do you get them to interact? And, and... So we, you have to apply, even though uh, for most of the schools, there's a few, and next year we will charge for more of them, because... You know, it's very, I could talk about this for a long time, but the first is that you apply. And when you fill out the application, even though there's no cost, we say you have to, you have to attend uh, right. these, these study group sessions. We take attendance for the study group sessions. We actually take attendance. You will not get a certificate of completion unless you have at least 90% attendance in your cohort groups. So we, we sort of make it very, very clear that if you want because there, that's part of, this is essentially gamification, right? There's, yeah. a, there's a badge that you get at the end, which is your certificate that says, congratulations, you've completed CRO school. You can put that on your LinkedIn profile. You can put that places. You can tell people about it. But you're only going to get that badge if you attend. So that's part of it. Part of it is just making sure that we give cohort leaders. So we... we we both select and train people on how to lead the session, and we make it very clear that your attendance and participation is expected. That said, there are, of course, because it's so dependent on the group, you know, some people have, it, it doesn't work perfectly, I suppose. Some people have amazing experiences, some people don't. But for us, it's anybody that's having any kind of amazing experience is more amazing experiences than, of course, if they'd never had the class or they'd never been in the group. There's enough people that have amazing experiences that it makes it a very powerful, uh, essentially, you know, net promoter score tool for us, or, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a customer advocacy tool. So part of the answer is we give them things to talk about. Part of the answer is we train the leaders on how to run the session. And part of the answer is we just, you know, it's the carrot and the stick. We make it so that you can't get the badge if you don't go to the, the study group session. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I like it. Now, now coming back to, uh, I'm kind of thinking that now you are a master of building community. I mean, you must have learned quite a lot. You guys have been successful. I'm sure it's because you are relevant. I'm sure it's because you've always been trying to do things that were a little bit different. You mentioned doing a couple of acquisition of community to accelerate stuff. But if you were to speak to a, a younger self of you know, yourself, let, let's say, five, six, seven, ten years ago, or someone who's just at the beginning of their career and said, look, you know, I'd love to build a community. I'd love to build something. I'd love to have people to share that. And someone who's got the same inspiration and values, you know, what would be the, the do's and don'ts that, that you would give them? What would be the, the main advice that, of traps that you fall into? It's, it's a lot of what I've said already. And again, a lot of I don't, I think it's simple, some of the things I say. I just don't think they're obvious or widely adopted. The thing I tell, 
it's funny. I have a call later today, right, with uh, a friend of mine who runs a marketing agency. And he says, you know, I, I need to be better at selling. <laughs> what should I do? He wrote me an email. Well, how can I be a better seller? And I, I said, well, I don't, I don't have an opinion on, on that specifically. But in general, my advice to almost everybody is the same. And it sounds, it sounds probably perhaps inauthentic or, or artificial. And I'm just telling you that it's not which is that my advice to everybody is play a longer game and look for opportunities to help people. If you want to start a community, there has to be a reason the community exists beyond the fact that you want to be in charge of something and you want a community. Our reason is very clear. We, we, our community exists not for its own sake. It exists because Katarina is a member, and if she wants to be a CEO one day, we want to help her get there. And yeah. if she wants to help Operatics or any other company become the best possible company, we want to help her do that. And that's why we exist. It's not for community. It's because we have there are human beings out there that are used to being treated like shit, and we want to treat people well. There's, we're all you know, you and me and everybody, since you know the internet's what roughly like 22 years old, right? Roughly. I mean, it's obviously been around since earlier than that, but like we've all been using it roughly since like the end of, since 99, basically. And, um, we've been trained on, on how to interact with each other and how things work in a specific way. That training is built on the business model of the internet and the business model of the internet is advertising. So the way that it works is that we use all these things for free. And as a consequence, we are, our behavior as we know is the product. And the point is that we are used to like, we're used to using LinkedIn, right? If you had a job interview tomorrow and you wanted to get LinkedIn to coach you on how to prepare for that job interview, what number would you call? Well, that question doesn't even make sense, right? It doesn't even, that, that's, it's a ridiculous statement. There's nobody at LinkedIn to call. <laughs> LinkedIn is not, uh, we're not customers of LinkedIn. We are users of LinkedIn. So this is a long-winded way of saying, I am trying to teach people that there's a different way to behave. And there's also a different expectation you can have as a customer, right? That our company works in a very specific way, which is you pay us and we do things for you. And as a consequence, our members are customers. They're not users. I don't call my members users. They're not users. They're customers. And I work for them. I work for Katarina. I, I work for all 6,200 people that are members of our community. And all I want to do is help them succeed and grow. So my incentives are aligned. And also what I'm trying to do is teach people that you can have higher expectations for the companies that you pay money to or attention to or your time to. So all of that is to say the advice I would give anybody is what are your values? My values are I want to help people that I care about and respect unlock and achieve their professional potential, which is really a way of saying I my goal is to teach people that by helping other people, you can be personally successful. So, you know, if my if I'm giving advice to my younger self or to anybody else, it's typically, which is the advice I gave to my friend that I'm having a call with later today. Hey, look for opportunities to help people. The more people you help, the more people think of you as somebody that can help people, the more they come to you with problems. And that sounds to me like a powerful person, right? Absolutely. The more people you help, you are viewed as somebody with power that can help people. And all of a sudden, more people are coming and more people are doing things. And all you have to do is start looking for opportunities to help other people. So that's a very long-winded you know, way of answering the question. But the, the shortest answer to the question is look for opportunities to help other people without asking for anything in return and just take your time. And over the course of years, many, many good things will happen to you. Yeah.
No, it's so true. I've seen that personally myself so much. Sometimes you just want to help people and you do it not because you're expecting something in return, but just because you actually like the subject matter of the question or the topic. They come to you because they want your, your opinion. And that's that's gold. You know, this is the sort of things you're like, well, if someone comes and asks me my opinion, I feel good about it, right? And you want to give it to them without expecting anything in return. You know, what you end up doing, and you say he's a pretty special person. I think that sort of go-to person is value. The day there is something, they won't even think about talking to your competition. They won't even think about, you know, doing an RFP or whatever. They just know that you are there. You've been helping. You've been good. The advice were free and they were working when, when they tried or whatever. So, so it, it does it does actually make a, a, a lot of sense. I think you, you are completely right about the short term, long term, and 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 so was the the, the lecture that you 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 heard from Larry. It's uh, it's so difficult to be in the long term sometimes. Part and I'm, I'm sure that part of your community, you've got thousands of people who are like in the tech business, tech startup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, literally our future is next quarter. Even if we're not a public company. We act like public companies and we need to sell, sell, sell. And it's got to be not on the 31st. If it happens on the 1st and not on the 31st, it's not good enough. It's got to happen one day before, 24. What does that change? You know, one week, what does that change? But, you know, I guess we are evolving in that world. And But but as professional, I agree with you. I think we need to go over all that and think about the longer term, the longer game and, and, and plan in advance. So my last question for you really, Sam, is, you know, what do you have uh, in stock, you know, for the future? What, what's, what's the plan for the future? I mean, what you can share with us, obviously, I don't know if your competitors will be listening, but, you know, do you have any exciting stuff that you are preparing for us? Well, again, so, yeah, thank you for everything that you said, Aurelian. And you're right, it is, I have, I've been that CRO person. The deal has to come in today versus tomorrow. And the beautiful thing about this message is that I am building this company with these principles and we are and it is going very well so that the beautiful thing is there's complete harmony which is that for example my head of sales who's responsible for signing up new people she is not paid on commission at all um you know most of the time a cro is paid like 50 percent base salary 50 percent commission against the revenue target my entire executive team is paid the same way and it's we're paid on nps we're paid on net promoter score we're not paid on revenue and i you know maybe one day we'll move to be paying on on different metrics but this year to get your bonus we have to have an nps score on a trailing 90-day basis greater than 50 and then we have to be at 7,000 members so that's like a revenue proxy but anyway my point is that i i think even in the venture capital startup world we are contorted and sometimes the best way to build the business is not to focus on pulling a deal today versus tomorrow, it's focusing on how do you delight your customers. So at any rate, also, you know, my competitors could be listening or not. I don't, you know, we do everything pretty much out in the open. You still have to execute it and you still have to share my values. And if you don't believe what I believe, then you're not going to do as good a job of it. And so anyway, what is in store for us in the future? Well, as I mentioned, we are lot. So Pavilion University will become bigger and bigger and bigger, and we're going to have schools and graduate programs essentially for every functional area. So right now we have CRO school, CMO school, CCO school. Next year we'll have CFO school uh, okay. and we'll probably have CEO school. And that's because we want to build communities in new functional areas. So right now I'm focused on CEOs and finance professionals. Next year, hopefully we'll get the finance community and the CEO community into really good places. And we can think about, you know, HR or people operations. We can think about product and engineering and maybe even some other functional areas. So 
new communities relatedly with new schools associated. That's a big part of what we're doing. We're about to launch our platform. You know, we don't, the funny thing about the company, which has, you know, been valued at, you know, a hundred million dollars is that we don't have any of our own software yet. You know, it's uh, it's on Slack and Zoom and uh, Google Docs and Google Sheets. But uh, beginning uh, next week, actually, we're going to start uh, pushing out our own platform into our uh, into a small group of users to test and to give us feedback. I think it's going to be fine. I don't think it'll be great, uh, but I think over time it'll be great uh, over next year. And that platform will have a bunch of cool ideas. We want to really focus on gamification. We are. It's not going to be a feed-driven platform. It's not going to look like LinkedIn or Facebook because our business model, again, doesn't – I don't need audience engagement. What I need is people to feel like they know what to do. So it'll actually look a lot more like QuickBooks, which is like, what do you want to do today? You want to run a report. You want to enter information. So you'll log in and it'll be goal-oriented, outcome-oriented. And then finally, the last thing I will say is that you know we talk about helping people and helping people – figure out, you know, their career. And I teach a class on framing your career. I ask the question, how many people have a five-year plan? And of course the answer is, you know, virtually none, right? Like 5%. Most people don't have a plan or a point of view on where they're going in their career. And so we want to actually build software that helps people first assess themselves and figure out what are their aptitudes, what are their strengths and weaknesses in a more systematic way, and then build tools to help people figure out how they can map their career, both visually and then, you know, analytically. So, uh, I, you know, you could call that career mapper. You could call that, but it's skills assessment tools. Yeah. It's career mapping and visualization tools, all underpinned by once you figure out where you want to go, we'll have learning and education that'll help you get there and train you to get there once you're there. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, as part of our, of our operatics academy, we, we're putting the first building block together. I, it's a skill-based assessment for the different role. You know, if you want to become a manager, what would, what are the attributes you need, et cetera, et cetera. So it's music to my ears. Sounds like we're doing the right thing. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. <laughs> now, if anyone wants to join Pavilion, well, how, how do we, how do we get our, our lovely audience to join? I've got a fair few, uh, a fair few CFOs and FDs as well in my network. So, I'll get them. Uh, I'll get them to join when the time is right. But how do we find you guys? I'm sure it's pretty straightforward. But just you know, can you well, just yes? Yeah, there's two programs. There's an individual program, and that's you just go to joinpavilion.com and you click apply now. And there's three levels. If you're an executive, meaning you've achieved VP, there's executive. If you're director above, there's associate. If you're new to the workforce, there's analyst. So we've got a we've got a, a level for you regardless of where you are in your career. And also, uh, we have a corporate membership, uh, which we call Pavilion for Teams. So if you want to sign up, not just yourself, but you want all of your SDRs to take SDR Acceleration School or Sales School, then we have, it's not, and you get, you get additional benefits and services as a corporate member. So you can join as a company and enroll many people at once, or you can join just yourself by going to joinpavilion.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your insight today. Sam. It was a lovely conversation. So, yeah, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. So thank, thank you for having me. Uh, and thanks to you and to Katarina for making it happen. And, and congrats on a great company and, and, and a great show. Thank you so much. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. 